opening and closing theme is by Midnight Syndicate. For more dark instrumental music like it, visit www.midnightsyndicate.com or find them on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or Alexa. True crime stories are discussed in this podcast, which may contain graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, everyone, to Freshly Brewed Noir. I'm Summer. And I'm Jennifer. And this is episode 13. Spooky, spooky. And you have a spooky episode for us, don't you? The Eastern State Penitentiary? Yes, that's right. And this was a very bad prison that we're going to talk about. It's, yeah, I guess they don't consider it a prison, but that's basically what it is. Okay. But first, we have to talk about how you just finished your second two-part series. We don't need to talk about that. We do. I think we need to congratulate (laughs) you because that is such an accomplishment I don't know how you do it because you have 20 jobs and a whole family (laughs) and somehow you found time to like, not not a quarter of a family, an entire whole, it's a whole whole unit. unit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And somehow you found time to research this so thoroughly, which, you know, I think that deserves props. Well, thank you. I, I enjoyed it. The Atlanta Ripper was a really good one. I actually have an update, a very quick update. Oh, okay. What's the update? So I listened to a podcast called The Fall Line, and it did a three-parter on the Atlanta Ripper. And in the third part, they actually interviewed Jeffrey Wells, who wrote the book that I used for most of my research. And she interviews him, and he talks about how after rereading his own book, he thinks that Henderson, Todd Henderson, one of the suspects, may have actually been the Ripper. Oh, really? And what causes him to believe that? Well, there was some new evidence that came up in the podcast. They had done some research and found out that he had actually been arraigned prior to the additional murders, which we had previously thought he was in custody. But it looks like he may have already been released. Oh, and he was the one who... He lived near many of the victims where they were found. He was the one who said he was going to kill his wife if he was going to kill anybody. He had tried to cut her before with a razor or a knife. So he had some run-ins with the law. Man, so we were trying to, like, give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but it sounds like he could have been the Ripper. If he was out of custody at that point when all these other murders were happening, then... I think he may have been the Ripper if he was, for sure. If he was was definitely out of custody, I think he was the Ripper. But he's passed away now. He's long gone now. We'll never know. And they lost the bloody rag. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) See, yeah, that was what we were holding on to for hope. (laughs) We don't know. That's just what it looks like. It looks like it's very likely that he was the Atlanta Ripper. Possibly for the murders that were indeed attributed to the Ripper. And then there were obviously some murders they thought were copycat murders or maybe domestic violence where the husband was trying to use the Ripper's MO in their murder to push the blame towards the Ripper instead of themselves. Okay. That's a good update. Once again, here you are coming through with the updates. (laughs) We appreciate that. So let's, we'll insert some cheer noise sound effects here. Will we? Okay. And so, and what advice would you have for us who, you know, people who aspire to be as efficient as you, what, what advice, what tips Who are you talking to? Is there like a third person in this room? This is my interview mic. Where's, where's the efficient person that has it all together in life? Because it's not me. So you're not going to tell us. I would say lots of caffeine. Okay. Have you had caffeine today? (laughs) Yes. Obviously, of course. Was it a pumpkin spice something? I do. I have my own pumpkin spice at home now. I get my espresso out in the morning, just put a little pumpkin spice in there, make my own with my oat milk and start my day. We can appreciate that. This is a coffee podcast. And possibly cult. Yes, possibly. (laughs) We have a new member. Remember Mel Rue. That's right. Yes. Yes. Melissa V. Welcome. We love you, Melissa. We love all of our members. We do. I think we only have, what, two or three? Right now. Yeah. (laughs) Plus ourselves. So So five. It's growing. It's significant. It's big. (laughs) You've probably heard of it. (laughs) So we digress. Not terribly, though. It was good stuff. Since we're talking about hauntings, 
and places that could possibly be haunted. Do you have like any specific opinion on what places can be haunted? Do you think bad energy or bad things have to happen there in order for spirits to possess it? I think hauntings probably don't happen underwater. But they could. What if there's like a bunch of like swimming spirits? But they never talk about that. They check out the Titanic. You never hear about them seeing ghosts. Is that why they have ghost ships? Because spirits need to be above water? Right. So then it <laughs> rises to the top. So the spirit will always rise to air. So even our spirits need air? I don't know. Is that true? Oh, that's... You tell me. You're the I ghost think... expert. I believe anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're in this cult, because it's safe. Keep Jennifer safe. <laughs> I think castles can be haunted. I think the older a dwelling is, the more generations that have cycled through there, I think the more energy that's in that house or that's left in that house. Even if something is just attached to that property because of an object or because of Mm -hmm. fond memories or something like that. So that's cool to think about. Like castles have like these spirits and ghost ships. Ghost ships. (laughs) We need to do more research on that. We'll find (laughs) out if spirits can dwell underwater. (laughs) I think we're all wondering that. We need to know. (laughs) If you know, let us know. Yes, please. (laughs) We'll do an episode on it. (laughs) So uh, the reason I ask that is just because have we ever experienced a haunting? I think I have. I won't go too into it, but when I was in the Philippines, we were at this old hospital that was still functioning and you could just feel the energy there and it was overwhelming. I definitely like think that place was haunted. And that was when your cousin had to go to the hospital and then you had to go as well, right? Yeah. You just feel it. It's like it it overcomes you and... You said it was really heavy. That's just my little two cents there. I definitely think I felt some overwhelming bad energy and it wasn't because of... you know, the experience my cousin was going through was something more supernatural, in my opinion. What about you? Uh, You know, my thoughts on that, I think some of my family members have experienced things that they've shared. As far as me personally, I have definitely felt bad energy in certain situations or places. I think our last house may have been haunted, according to two of my kids. Two out of three said that they had either seen or heard ghosts. They saw something like walking or... My daughter saw multiple times a dark figure at the end of the hallway we had a really long hallway upstairs and she would always see this dark figure going by the hallway and she said she got a really bad feeling about that one figure but then she would also hear little kids and she said that wasn't a scary experience but the dark figure was i wonder if there was any kind of incident that happened at your house back in the past i don't know it was built in the 80s so it's not a super old house but there were five other people that lived there before us or we were the fifth people to live in that house and so it had tons of different people coming in and out so you never know what type of energy is going into that house a rock star lived there who from widespread panic it's a local rock star in athens for atlantans some may know yeah very cool yeah Yeah, i don't think he left any bad energy i think there was cool rock star energy from him but yeah my daughter she definitely saw some things and even my middle son who is not like a ghost believer anything like that a couple times he he saw something or he heard something downstairs that scared him i see i'm always like more inclined to believe it when the skeptics when the skeptics jump on board and say what was that yes (laughs) yes that right it's very exciting (laughs) Exciting for you. (laughs) I mean, I've been to your house plenty of times. I've never... Yeah, and you lived there for a year. Did you ever experience any ghosts? No, I did not. Okay, well, I guess they were just too busy scaring my daughter. (laughs) I do remember being in your house uh, alone and the birds were attacking the door, but that's it. The birds? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's right. Outside the window, huh? I don't know. Maybe they were attacking something there. I don't know. They were trying to protect you from the ghost, maybe. It could be. Yeah. So I'm curious if anything ever happened there. Hmm. If you find out, you must give us an update. I will update you. If I ever find out, we're, not, we're not there anymore. So Yeah, because it was haunted, you had to leave. That was not why. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of like our segue into the episode. So we can uh, start talking about Eastern State Penitentiary. I'm excited about this one. This place has a lot of history and you have to understand, you know, what happened here to kind of understand. You have to understand to understand. Yes. Yes. I'm on board (laughs) with understanding. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
In 1787, four years after the American Revolution, the idea of a new type of prison system came about. Many influential men were gathered at the home of Benjamin Franklin, who you may be familiar with, like a Benjamin.、Oh, yes, yes,、like、a Benjamin, a Benjamin, to discuss prison reform. At that time, the Walnut Street Jail was located directly behind Independence Hall, and the conditions there were awful. Men, women, and children who had committed all types of crimes, from petty theft to assault to murder, were jailed together on what were basically like a little more than dirty pens. Children were jailed. Yes. Oh my god. So I guess if they were, you steal some candy and、Aww. go into jail. Poor kids. Yeah, they did not play games. Wow. Back then, so they were overcrowded, disease-ridden, cold, dangerous, and generally just unsupervised. Abuse by both jailers and fellow inmates was the norm. The basic necessities like food, heat. Clothing or protection were only provided if the inmate could afford it. Rape, robbery, and assaults were common occurrences, and many prisoners died from cold or starvation. Yeah, I can imagine that was not a nice place to go. It was not. I mean, it's not like the、uh, five-star hotels that you would imagine you want to go to. That's all I can do is imagine them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This led to the formation of the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons, or P Samp, right? Yes, that's way easier to say <laughs> than all of that. <laughs> One member, who was a prominent physician and signer of the Declaration of Independence, Benjamin Rush, pushed for the idea of a House of Repentance. Gosh, this is so 1700s. It, it, it is, rather than a prison. The word penitentiary. Penitentiary. Good job, good job. Gonna... Aren't we being honest about <laughs> that? We can't, that we can't like... pronounce a lot of words. We can't, as we have learned. Right, I'm terrible <laughs> with names. <laughs> And Jennifer's still learning English, but she's doing a very good job. Well, I can't pronounce like other languages either, so you know, she's she's working on all languages, <laughs> known one, and unknown. One day I'll get there. <laughs> I'm a foreigner. Okay, give me some. She is. She she may、way. have been born and raised in the U.S., but if you meet her mother, you'll know why. <laughs> you'll know why I can't speak English. Yes, we love you, E. <laughs> The word penitentiary references the word penitence, which means regret for sin or wrongdoing, and it implies the humble realization and regrets for one's misdeeds. Many people refer to this type of incarceration as the Pennsylvania system because, at the time, this was one of the first prisons to take on this method and was considered revolutionary. It was believed that solitary confinement was a unique way to rehabilitate each inmate individually. <laughs> okay, just stick them in a. With no other people around and no contact, and that's going to rehabilitate them. That's what they believed. If you are an introvert, you would think this is amazing. I could do that for a while. I could too. Yeah. Not deal with people. Yeah. Majority of the time. Majority of the time. Right. After a certain point, though, yeah, you do want to get out, grab some coffee, meet up with some friends. Outside of that, I would be in this. Penitentiary. I'd be right next door. The Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons, or PSAMP, still survives to this day, but is now called the Pennsylvania Prison Society, which... or <laughs> <laughs> or that. <laughs> but thankfully, they shortened it because that was much easier to say than <laughs> the PSAMP. <laughs> I made it easy, but you're right. Like the first one, how did they even say that all the time? You're like, let's think of a great name、yeah. for our society, let's... and let's make it the longest possible name. <laughs> let's make it like seven or eight <laughs> words long. That makes sense. Let's add a quote in there somehow.、Right. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're still here, and the organization promotes prison reform and social justice. So yay for.、Psst. And I'm sure they're not doing the whole solitary confinement now for prisoners. Have they learned? Well, are they reformed? We'll that's、there. the question. Are they, that's debatable. Okay. The men soon convinced the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and started their work at the Walnut Street Jail, which I think Walnut Jail is so cute. It does sound cute. Walnut Street sounds、It's、cute. Like you would see that in a cute little cartoon. Yeah. Walnut. Walnut Street. Yeah. Con Avenue. Yeah, I know. Hickory Lane. Oh gosh, so cute! Maple Drive. We're having the fall vibes. Very fall vibes. It's suitable.、Mm-hmm. In 1790, a small penitentiary house with 16 solitary cells was built. 
The inmates were segregated by sex and crime. Workshops were instituted to occupy the prisoner's time, and the abusive behavior was abolished as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, as much as possible. As you much, know? What does that mean, as much as possible? But if it happened, it happened. We tried. We tried <laughs> as much as possible to not beat them and torture them. Exactly. Okay. But when the city's population increased, so did the crime, and the facility became overcrowded. Just all that stolen candy. I know. Stop arresting just, these just kids. Just give the kids some damn candy. They're like, no, you guys are going to become thieves. Right. You are stealing like, candy. Poor children. Skittles away. <laughs> did they have Skittles back then? What kind of candy did they have in the 1700s? Oh, gosh. Like potatoes? Did they have those like potatoes? <laughs> but potatoes are like candy to me. Like, they are. That's love a... potatoes. <laughs> but didn't they have those, those little Coke bottle gummy things? gummies they didn't have coke back then i don't know what they had back in the coke. 1700s <laughs> i watched drunk history the other day and late 1800s early 1900s and it was actually made with cocaine coke was made with cocaine yes it was it was is it still made with cocaine absolutely no it's not <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sugar. <laughs> it's made with sugar, which is pretty much like as addictive. I, yeah, you're right. And it was from the, the cola plant. So he literally used the coca, which has cocaine, and cola, soda, and he mixed it and they put some sugar in it. And everyone loved it. Of course they did. <laughs> it's not surprising to me. There's your coke history. Being that a new building was needed to house more people, the property for Eastern State Penitentiary was picked in 1822. And it was a cherry orchard outside of the city. Sounds cute again. I know. On Walnut Street, a cherry orchard on Walnut Street. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like it's going to be great. Fabulous. I agree. It would house up to 250 inmates and an architect named John Haviland would submit his designs for the facility and end up being in charge of overseeing the construction. It consisted of seven single level cell block wings radiating from like a centralized location. Okay. where one guard could see down the halls of each of the cell blocks. Oh, wow. Almost like they're in a central location, like the sun and the rays are all the yep. different... Okay. And then you just ro like rotate yourself so that you are constantly... <laughs> like your body? So yes. you're constantly like, slowly spinning in a circle? Is that what he did? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Sounds dizzy. One dude just circling <laughs> just, around? Just spinning around. <laughs> he hold his hands out and put his head up? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm in the middle of the sun. <laughs> what if he's saying? It's like a prison musical. It's supposed to be a quiet place, so I don't think singing he's, was allowed. He's singing in his head. Like an internal musical happening. Yeah, internal musical. The architecture was neo-Gothic inspired, designed similar to a church, and it took seven years to build. In 1829, the legislation of Pennsylvania specifically addressing the concepts of solitary confinement and labor was officially passed. The basis of the belief was that most crime that occurred was a direct result of the perpetrator's environment, and that if the inmate was confined in isolation, they would eventually realize the error in their ways. The it's children. like, go sit in the corner and think about what you did. Yeah. <laughs> With no interaction from anyone else. Because that worked great for all us children of the 70s and 80s, right? <laughs> I think when I was sitting in the corner, I just either was mad or cried. Or and you may have been drawing something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's very likely. <laughs> The design ensured that the prisoners would not have any contact with other inmates, and each cell had its own exercise yard and unique food door. So that's like a little slot where they could get their food. Okay. They were not allowed to have any contact with family, no visitation, or ability to receive letters. Some people might like this. <laughs> I know, like, leave me alone, people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> They were not even able to read the newspaper and were forced to wear eyeless hoods over their heads as to not have any contact with other prisoners. Now that sounds creepy. Eyeless like, hoods? Oh. The main contact the inmates would be with was with the warden who was required to visit each inmate three times a day, but only done through like a small entryway where the meals were exchanged and uh, work materials were passed through. What was the point of that? Was it like, hey, how you like it in there? You can't see anything. I don't even think they could talk. They were just, you know, checking you, in. Would you nod your head? What just you... looking, making sure there's people in there. You, you like your accommodations? No? Too bad. Don't say anything. <laughs> right, yeah. Bye-bye. Pretty much. Oh, that's terrible. The prison actually opened its doors on October 23rd, 
1829. And to set the scene, in each cell there was a skylight, a Bible, a working toilet, and the materials for like whatever form of work they would perform, like basket weaving or shoemaking. In order to maintain perfect silence, wool socks were put over shoes and wheels were covered with leather. Many prisoners would become unhinged due to these tactics, and over time, the guards would utilize different cruel methods in order to punish the inmates. These were very intense punishments. Some of the methods included forcing inmates to wear a straitjacket, dunking a person in water, and hanging them upside down in the cold until ice formed on their skin. Dunk me in that cold water. Really? You're okay with the ice? You know, I'm always, like, like, internally warm. Well, see, for for people like me... I would take that torture for you when they came to our cell doors and was like, okay, which one of you is going to do the ice bath? I'd be like, me! (laughs) Please take me! Thank you for taking that sacrifice. Yes, I got you, girl. So another method was called the mad chair, where they would bind someone to a chair so tightly that it cut off blood circulation Mm, and would require amputation sometimes. (gasps) Oh, that's terrible. Isn't that just... Yes! Because think about when you, like, your leg falls asleep and you wake up or something or your arm and how bad that feels. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And if you just, yeah, you cut off that circulation enough so where it's like dying. That's terrible. Yeah, so you think about how long they were sitting there cutting off that circulation and then having to have it amputated. Jeez. Oh. I can't. That's terrible. One of the worst was called the iron gag, which entailed tying an inmate's hands behind their back and strapping an iron collar in their mouth so that any movement would cut or tear the tongue, causing it to bleed profusely. Oh my god. Yeah, so you have to imagine like trying to stay still so that any movement doesn't happen. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. Who are the sick people to think this stuff up? And you're, you're making, you're putting them in charge of prison reform that's just, I think... 1700s? Oh, that's very 1700s of them, yes. <laughs> yes, it was. This caused, obviously, serious injury, as you can no. imagine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One inmate was punished this way just for speaking, and he died from excessive internal bleeding. Oh, my goodness. So that just scares you, because look at, you just think about all of the... um, Blood vessels. Yeah, the vessels in your tongue and underneath it. Humans are idiots. But we do have a photo of the eyeless hoods, and... Is he wearing slacks? He might be. I don't understand the 1700s. That had to have been a horrible time to be alive for men, women, and children. So in 1831, it was realized that due to the amount of crime and people being incarcerated, the penitentiary would need to be able to increase its capacity to hold more inmates. A second floor was added for this reason. Summer shaking Mm-mm-mm. her head like I'm just already <laughs> feeling bad for <laughs> like this is going the additional amount of people they're gonna torture. Yeah, this becomes a like common theme where too many people overcrowding, it's a thing. The plan was completed in 1836 and was the largest and most expensive public structure second to the US Capitol. It cost $780,000, which in today's time would equate to more than 18 million bucks. So just a little bit of change. That's what they did in the 1700s <laughs> yes. America. Let's fund these exactly. torture buildings. That are meant for information, yeah. right? Yeah. They were, yes, because this like, is going to help people. We're mm-hmm. going towards a good cause, so let's invest all of our money in it. Wow. This system became the model for more than 300 prisons worldwide to include South America, Europe, Russia, China, Japan, and across the (laughs) British Empire. So everybody else in the world's like, this seems great. (laughs) Let's do it too. Okay. I think that they they heard the idea and they were like, yeah, I can get on board with this. With the the isolation and the torture? No, I don't don't know if that torture side was They didn't sell that. (laughs) They didn't sell that part of it. Okay. No, that wasn't a part of the sales pitch. It was, oh, our inmates are doing great. Yes, some are dying, but natural causes. Uh, Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like, you know, they're just dying of old age. It's not an iron collar in their mouth or ice baths. I've never heard of that happening. What? what? Except for that one lady prisoner who just keeps asking for more ice baths. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think her name is Summer. (laughs) 
And remember, the only source of light was the skylight in their room. So when another floor is being built on top of that, it's going to obstruct your sunlight. So some people are just sitting there. Sitting in the dark. In darkness. And imagine how that like affects your eyes. Your sight. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Like the guy from the West Memphis. Damien. Yeah, because he was in solitary and it permanently ruined his eyesight, right? Yes. And I believe, doesn't he have to wear like special glasses now? Yes. Mm -hmm. All the time. And when he's outside, he has these really dark, I think, sunglasses, but it completely ruined his eyesight. I just imagine that's probably what's happening to everyone on the first floor. Right. We're not meant to be in complete darkness 24-7. Yeah. And silence. That's just for like eight to 12 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) What's the dream? (laughs) But yeah, like imagine your senses. They don't know how to react to anything anymore. Right. No sight, no sound, nothing. Charles Dickens, who you may know. Personally, maybe. If I was around in the 1700s. (laughs) Or you may have heard of him. Well, he visited the penitentiary and observed these methods. I'm so glad you said this because we had to read David Copperfield in school. And I remember them saying that he actually wrote about events that had happened, maybe not necessarily to him, but in his life. And in David Copperfield, he talks about visiting a penitentiary. And this is probably where it came from. Yes. Talked about the solitary confinement and how the prisoners were treated. It's exactly this. So it has to be from this. It was the first of its kind. And I'm sure it was like very shocking to see what's happening. Yeah. And I don't think he didn't like it. If I remember, I don't think he had good things to say about it, right? He did not. I can actually tell you. Tell us what he said about it. Quote it for you. Quote it for us. So he recounts in his travel journal, American Notes for General Circulation, in the chapter titled Philadelphia and its Solitary Prison, quote, in its intention, I am well convinced that it is kind, humane, and meant for reformation. But I am persuaded that those who design this system of prison development and those benevolent gentlemen who carry it into execution do not know what it is they are doing. Ellipses. I hold this slow and daily tampering with the mysteries of the brain to be immeasurably worse than any torture of the body. And because its ghastly signs and tokens are not so palpable to the eye, and it extorts few cries that human ears can hear, therefore I denounce it as secret punishment in which slumbering humanity is not roused up to stay, quote. So it sounds like he's saying, this is junk. Your prison is lame, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> like, what are y'all doing? It's Yeah, it sounds like he starts it out like, so I know you guys mean well. <laughs> But you realize you're torturing humans. It's, I don't think you're executing this in the right way. <laughs> that was a nice 1700s way for a writer to say, what the hell? Exactly. <laughs> what are you doing? WTF. Yeah. Nicely done, Dickens. Okay. This is why he's the writer, because mm-hmm. you can't even tell this is like a, a diss. Well, he has a travel journal. You know. <laughs> and they were probably like, oh, my God, he wrote about us and he loves it. Yeah. Good intentions. Is right. What they... <laughs> Did you read that? He said they stopped it. Um, the intentions were, were well conceived. <laughs> kind and humane. And Did you see? He said kind and humane. Meant for reformation. And then they stopped there. They're like, that's it. That's it. That's all we needed. <laughs> so let's remember that there are still forms of physical abuse happening here as well. Summer, what do you think is worse, physical or mental abuse? Because, I mean, none of it's good. But I think they're almost kind of equal because like mental abuse can bring about physical symptoms. And then in turn, physical abuse can obviously affect someone's mental state. And so to me, they're intertwined for sure. I don't think I would choose either. Right. <laughs> but if I had to, I would choose the ice bath. Yes. <laughs> physical abuse. <laughs> the ice bath because you're always hot. <laughs> right. But then that wouldn't even be abuse. That would be like a nice spa treatment for me. So you're right. You know. What about you? No, I think you're right. I think they are. They go, kind of go hand in hand. You get enough mental abuse. It's probably going to drive you it's into like manifest a, physically, huh? And vice versa. Yeah. Because humans, I think we can't separate what happens to us mentally from our physical state and vice versa. It's all together. I agree with that. And they were doing both to these prisoners. Really, they had it come up from both both sides. And I know. Like, where do you get the reprieve? From the potatoes. And they, were they getting potatoes? I think they got plenty of potatoes. Nice. Which, once again, is another reason we would like to be there. (laughs) Ice baths, potatoes. I'll take it. Minus the torture. Yeah, no torture. We'll take the isolation and the potatoes. And the potatoes. And I'll take the ice baths. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
By 1870, the prison needed even more space. Because <laughs> we want to torture more people. <laughs> bring them in. They're like, we need to reform all of these people. <laughs> Let's bring them in. We don't have the space, but we're going to keep on keeping keep, on. That's right. They had that little sign. Keep, keep on, on keeping on. <laughs> yes. AKA torture people. <laughs> And so four new cell blocks were added between the existing wings. This caused individual wings to be eliminated, and the inmates would exercise together, but were still required to wear the masks and be silent. There was also an underground cell that they called the hole, where they locked people up, sometimes for weeks, with no light, no human contact, and only bread and water to consume. So no potatoes for No them. potatoes? Yeah, because potatoes and water, you could probably do a bread. Carbs on Was carbs. Was it like cheesy bread or raisin bread? You don't get that good bread when you're Banana in the hole. Banana bread. You get the stale Was it bread. the stale wheat bread? <laughs> it was like white bread. <laughs> okay. Like the really thin one? <laughs> yes. Like the floppy one. <laughs> Nobody wants. <laughs> the, or the end piece. You get the end oh, piece. Oh, no. The Just a bunch of end pieces and water. That is torture. That is itself. so torture. So as you can imagine, the facility kept running into the issue of overcrowding, which we talked about. They couldn't keep housing inmates in single cells in complete silence. By 1913, the Pennsylvania system was eliminated and prisoners were able to share cells that had windows. Oh. You know, windows are a luxury that in is nice. those days. Okay. They could interact with each other through sports, work, and even dine together. They had an inmate newspaper called The Umpire, which ran monthly uh, rosters of the baseball league scores. By the 1920s, each cell held two to three prisoners, but these cells were built to hold one person. So there was tons of issues with like personal space and claustrophobia. Like Disney on New Year's Eve. You've experienced that. Yes. Yeah. My little one. I think he had an anxiety, like panic attack. Yeah. No one wants to be that close to people and all that the time. Was, right. That was at the happiest place on earth. So I can imagine at the least happiest place on earth, they're really freaking out. Oh, yeah. Imagine like you just hate your roommate, right? And, and then he's to... all up against you because you guys can't move. Right. <laughs> just imagine the drama. Yeah. There's probably a lot of drama. Solitary confinement was also brought back through the form of punishment instead of reformation. Four cells were built underground and they were called Klondike, and that is where they'd hold those prisoners. In 1933, inmates rioted because of overcrowding, inadequate recreational facilities, and so they'd set their cells on fire, destroy workshops. While they're in it, they set them on fire? That's you know, how bad it was? I think so. Wow. They're like, you know what? We're going to send a message. That sends a message. Riot methods included short-circuiting electrical outlets, setting fires, and other similar disturbances. In 1959, a new cell block was opened to house violent criminals. It was the last to be built and the only block with electric doors. They did house inmates on death row, but no executions ever took place there. Because the torture was worse. <laughs> it's more humane. <laughs> Gosh. We yeah. don't do death row. We don't do death row. We just keep you alive and torture you. Yes. Yeah. We let you bleed internally. And hope you do better. <laughs> So in January 1970, the prison closed and the inmates were sent to the State Correctional Institution at Greaterford. Over the 142 years that it was open, the penitentiary held about 75,000 inmates just within that span. More than 100 escaped and all were recaptured except for Leo Callahan, who was one of six inmates carrying pistols that held up a group of unarmed guards. They successfully used a ladder they built to scale the east wall, and even though they all escaped, and even one made it as far as Honolulu, Hawaii, they were recaptured. Ah, uh, he was brought back from Hawaii. That must have been <laughs> such a low I know, in his life. It. <laughs> He's like, I made it to Hawaii. How? <laughs> right. But how did they make a ladder? What did that ladder look like? It was a makeshift ladder, for sure. Like with wood? With anything. Or with basket materials? <laughs> Any materials they could find. Because <laughs> all they had was what? A little bed and a dirt floor? Yes. And they managed and to materials. make a ladder. That's impressive. Yeah. They, they should have just let him stay in Hawaii. Well, except for Leo, you said he never was captured. No, right? he was ne He was the only one that successfully escaped. Of course a Leo would would make it. I know. Be like, peace out, guys. Leo. Those Leos mm -hmm. get away from you. <laughs> and actually, he's still at large. He'd be over 110 now. Still at large? <laughs> Put out a bolo. <laughs> <laughs> he might. I don't know if he'd be a threat. So. Probably not at 110. 
I don't know. He's a centurion now. He's just living his peaceful life, sipping on his tea. He's still alive, yes. The stories he could tell us. Oh, wow. Right. That would have been cool. If, if they found his travel journal. I want to read Leo's. Yes, if you are uh, still alive. If you're out there, Leo. Send us a Gmail. Do you think he knows how to use Gmail? <laughs> I know younger people that don't know how to use Gmail, so I don't know. We'll find you, Leo. There is a log which specifies how inmates died. While the prison was in operation, many... Horribly. A lot of them were horrible. <laughs> many passed away due to sickness, specifically tuberculosis, or suicide or murder. Oh, yeah. One well-known incident is when an inmate named Joseph Havel stabbed his cellmate, George Kopp, to death mm. with a pair of scissors in cell block 8, cell number 49. So right. they didn't get along very well. I think there was a uh, some kind of conflict there. Mm, sounds like it. He's like, did you eat my last piece of stale heel bread? <laughs> I think anything could probably set you off. Oh, huh? right. At that point. So it's worth noting that in 1838, Eastern States Annual Report specified 18 cases of insanity. But the report attempted to diffuse the situation by saying that the mental illnesses came about due to excessive masturbation. Is that so? Or, as they call it, self-abuse. <laughs> Was it self-abuse? That's what they call it. Okay. That's what they think. Okay. So the guards would listen closely, try to make sure, you know, if they heard anything. <laughs> but that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, <laughs> hold on. I hear you in there. Right. <laughs> Prison was abandoned for some time after its closing and it was heavily vandalized. Plants and trees began to grow inside of it. The city of Philadelphia purchased the property intending to demolish and redevelop it. But in 1988, a task force petitioned the city not to pursue development. And in 1994, the Pennsylvania Prison Society opened the prison for tours. Today, it operates as a museum and is open year-round for tours and special events. Let's show you how we tortured each other back in the 1700s. Yeah. <laughs> Fun field trip, guys. We keep it. Of course, I would totally go. Right? <laughs> so let's see if we can get some sightings. <laughs> But it is known to be one of the most haunted prisons in the U.S. Paranormal groups have investigated this property, and it's been featured in many TV shows. And before you ask, yes. Is he? Zach Bagans. Of course. He totally covered this, but wasn't able to find it to stream, unfortunately. I saw your sad face in the notes. I'm very sad I was about sad it. too. And then I did a tear face. <laughs> Man. It's unfortunate because... Can't see him walking around with his sunglasses in that prison. It was for research purposes. Fighting the demons and ghosts. Yes, we needed to see. You know, We'll what? find it eventually. Somehow. It'll yeah. come. You know, whether we have to get it on VHS. Or do a free trial. Somehow. Yeah. We'll, we'll find it. Yes. If you have it, send it to us. <laughs> Please. If, if you send it VHS, also send us the contraption that you have to use to play VHS. <laughs> a VCR? <laughs> yes, a VCR, please. <laughs> Investigators, staff, and visitors have reported sightings of paranormal activity and ghostly sightings. We'll talk about those. I know we will, because you can't end. not talk about it. This is a ghost episode. I can't wait to hear your, your ghost talk. But before that, we need to talk about some of the prisoners that mm. were held here. Yes, Notable please. inmates. In every article that you read, they always talk about the very first prisoner. Really? <laughs> There's no photo of him, unfortunately. Charles Williams. He was the very first inmate to be confined in this facility. He was an African-American farmer and was charged with stealing a watch, a gold seal, and a key made of gold. He was sentenced to 24 months in confinement. And Was he released after that? Yeah, he was okay. released after that. And All right. But they probably tortured him beforehand. Huh, before he was released. And there's no reports of that, but, and you would but hope we, not. We know they did. Yeah. yeah. We can't confirm or deny. Al Capone. I did not know this. Yeah. He was, um, He's... he was here. Wow. And some people may know him as Scarface. Now his place looks pretty done up, like HGTV style. Oh yeah. His digs, they're nice. It's like cribs. <laughs> MTV cribs? <laughs> yeah. He's, like, he's got the out. velvet couch and... All the fancy Tiffany lamps and yeah. he's got his writing desk. He's got his oriental rug. <laughs> fancy. And even the rock wall looks like, nice. It's like vintage. <laughs> so he was Chicago's most famous mob boss and spent eight months in the facility from 1929 to 1930. He was arrested for carrying a concealed weapon, and this was his first prison sentence. As we can see by this photo, he lived in luxury here for those 
eight months. Yeah, he didn't look like he was hurting. No, he was fine. William Francis Sutton, otherwise known as Slick Willie, is one of the most famous bank robbers in American history. He spent 11 years at Eastern State, and in 1945, he escaped through an inmate dug tunnel that went almost 100 feet into the ground. Like Shawshank? Was that based on this? I don't think so. Well, they got that idea from this, because that's very specific. (laughs) Yes, it is. Did he crawl through the sewage? It doesn't say. Crawled through whatever, wherever the tunnel went. But he made a hole through Mm. the wall, crawled into the ground, almost 100 feet into the ground, and then... But he was captured just a few minutes later. Okay, well, that didn't happen to... (laughs) Was it Tim Robbins? I don't... I think so. He escaped. His criminal record includes over 50 bank robberies, three successful prison escapes, and over 30 years behind bars. It's a lengthy criminal history. It is, yeah. He passed away in 1980. Victor Babe, that's in quotes because I guess that's his his name. Is that his him? nickname? Yes. Andrioli? Can you use your babe hat? He could. <laughs> was convicted of killing a Pennsylvania state trooper in 1937. He arrived at Eastern State to serve a life sentence for committing that first degree murder. In 1943, he escaped by hiding in a delivery truck that was leaving the prison. Weeks later, the police caught up to him in Chester, Pennsylvania, at a diner where he was shot dead. Wow, so the only person to ever escape and stay out, like never recaptured, was Leo? Yep. Wow. Okay. One and done. Mm-hmm. Morris, the rabbi Bobbler, entered the facility in 1942 He was serving a life sentence as a member of an arsenic murdering ring located in Philadelphia. What is that even? An arsenic murder ring? Yeah. What? I guess those are necessary sometimes. Was that a thing? I guess so. It was. They were, In the 40s, arsenic murder rings? He was called a veteran witch doctor and compounder of charms. Okay. So So he would make the, you know, concoctions. Okay. So he used apple seeds because they have arsenic. He might have. Yeah. He's just passing out apple seeds. No, the witch doctor can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) He was one of the leaders of the group and appealed to women who were willing to murder their husbands in order to collect their insurance policies. The group was responsible for at least 30 deaths and 16 men and women were convicted for participating, including Bobbler. Wow. Did they all die from apple seed poisoning? Yes. It's like, have this apple pie. Ooh, apple pies were big in the 40s. They don't go into depth with it, but... Bobbler apple seed. Another (laughs) inmate was Pep the dog. (laughs) He's a cute little black lab. He's adorable. And according to the folklore, because no one can confirm... But there's literally a picture of him holding up his inmate number. (laughs) Yes. And look at him. He's even rolling his eyes. He's like, these idiots. Why a dog? What the hell? What are they doing to me? (laughs) So the Pennsylvania governor, Gifford Pinchot, used his executive powers to sentence Pep to life without parole in 1924. His crime supposedly is that he killed Pinchot's wife's cat. I don't know. Laps are usually very sweet and docile. Right. I don't believe that. He was framed. I think so. It was a inside job. Mm-hmm. The governor insists that the dog was sent there to be a prison mascot. However, as we can see, he was given an inmate number and he has a mugshot. He does. And he's <laughs> rolling his eyes. <laughs> Or he's got that little side eye, like, really? These fools. <laughs> Where are my potatoes? I know. Leave me alone. So those are, you know, the uh, the notable inmates that uh, have been Pep in is this my, prison. Pep's my favorite. He's great. He's, I mean, he's everyone's favorite. Yeah. It was interesting that Al Capone was in there for a little while. And of course, there are, are way more notable ones, but these are just a few. So <laughs> let's talk about the hauntings now. Mm-hmm. One of the first paranormal stories was by Al Capone. He stated that he was haunted by the ghost of James Clark, who was one of the victims of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in Chicago. Supposedly, Capone would scream the name Jimmy every night to go away and leave him alone. So he was being haunted. Yeah, they were mad about his accommodations. They're like... (laughs) Do you know what my cell looked like? Hold on. Right? Like, hold on. This is not fair. Yeah, he should be haunted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Clearly favoritism. Right. And, you know, that could be his guilty conscience, too. Who knows? Could be. If we ever go to this facility... You ready for it? We will have to note 
these places here. Yes. Okay. So Cellbach 12 is an area that gets a lot of paranormal activity. Whispers and cackling are heard and people even report seeing an apparition who appears to be a prisoner. So I wonder if they see like one of those prisoners that would have those eyeless hoods on. That'd be scary. Those are freaky. Yeah. So if anyone wants to Google that, just imagine seeing that just floating around. Oh, or peeking around the corner. Yeah. Around a dark shadowy. Oh yeah, that's scary. Cell block six is another hot spot where whispers, screams, and laughter are heard and shadowy figures appear on the walls. Now, Still creepy. That's creepy. We don't know. Cell block four is said to have reports of loud whispers and sightings of anguished ghostly faces, maybe from people being tortured or in pain. Yeah. A locksmith named Gary Johnson was working in this area, removing a cell door, and he was overwhelmed by a massive force. So I can relate to this. He was paralyzed, unable to move or speak, and stated that distorted forms swirled around him and one was beckoning him. Now, I don't know if I can relate to, like, being beckoned, but... (laughs) The the other part. The other distorted forms swirling and all that stuff. Just the force. I get you, Mr. Johnson. don't let anyone beckon you. No. (laughs) A silhouette of a guard is reported to be seen in the watchtowers. It is said that many have heard the sound of cell doors suddenly opening and slamming shut. Many paranormal events supposedly have occurred on the catwalk where they're, you know, strutting their stuff. Okay. And that's obviously where the ghosts want to be. Showing off their their attire. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, if I'm going to show up, I'm going to be on the catwalk. (laughs) Watch me strut. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or float. (laughs) There are extreme temperature fluctuations, and one person even caught a male voice saying, I'm lonely on EVP. So, I mean... It wouldn't have been our voices. Like, um, leave me alone. (laughs) They would have caught that. (laughs) The list goes on to include furniture being dragged across the floor, large objects rolling off the roof, ghostly footsteps, although I don't know how different those are from the sound of regular footsteps. Right. It could just be other people walking around. Could be, yeah. Like Zach Bagans and his crew. Seeing orbs or streaks of light, people feeling taps on the shoulder, being overwhelmed with the feeling of dread, and the sensation of being watched. Creepy, creepy, creepy. (laughs) Right. And many people have claimed to fall in sick while visiting. But who knows, like, if there's mold in that place that, like, has some kind of effect on you. Right. The accounts of the hauntings aren't as much as I thought there would be. Mm -hmm. I think everyone has their own individual story and maybe they're just not as sensationalized. Or do you think the torture overshadows the haunting stories because the prison was so bad? Yes, that too. How can a haunting story compete with everything those inmates went through? I agree with that, yeah. And it would kind of lead me to believe why wouldn't this place be haunted? Because obviously some really horrible things happened here. Yeah. Well, like we said before, it seems like the founders started off with good intentions, but you know what they say about good intentions. The road to hell is paved with Right. The idea that rehabilitation can be done through solitary confinement just sounds unethical and like inhumane and not the route to go. Hashtag 1700s. I know. We'll have to put that in our uh, <laughs> we <will>. IG. Yes. <laughs> but the thought of being isolated with no human contact can be nice, like we have said, for short amounts of time. But imagine comparing that to like years, months. Too much time. Yeah. Is not your good own, for your the- mental state. Yeah, being left with your thoughts. I don't know about you, but I think too much anyway. So if I'm just left with my thoughts, Mm -hmm. of course I'm going to go crazy. Yes. So, (laughs) and in the dark, I can't see anything and combine it with the torture that was also happening. Right. They just didn't have a break. Right. So nothing has been confirmed about these paranormal sightings. And we know how Summer feels about confirmed. Ah, you know, confirmed. (laughs) Like, who's confirming it? (laughs) If it's Zach Bagans confirmed, I'm skeptical, but love me some Zach Bagans. We do. He's entertaining. It's a a guilty pleasure. Yes. We might be up for touring the spot. I, I would. The most haunted prison in the U.S. Why would we turn that down? I know. We'll have to put that on our list for one of our trips. When we go on tour. Are par- we going on tour? <laughs> on our paranormal, like, Paranormal tour. tour. Ooh, that would be fun. <laughs> it would be fun. Yeah. But also during COVID times. We can't do it now. Speaking of COVID, isn't this prison kind of perfect for COVID it times? It almost sounds like it's it. It's like, yeah, we're going to isolate you. Yes. So you have no human contact. There will be no pandemic happening here. 
before. Yeah. <laughs> before they started merging the prisoners, it would have been self-isolation. You're not spreading any virus, are you? Of course, it was like a dirty place. I bet hygiene wasn't number one priority. I don't think back then in those days, you know, very clean. Weren't they urinating on the street, dumping bedpans out of now. windows? <laughs> well, not normal people in <laughs> homes. <laughs> they would just dump it out the window back then on the streets. It literally smelled like urine. Like yeah. on the street. That's why the women would carry around little flowers, like scented things to cover up the smell of urine that was everywhere. <laughs> God, I can't even imagine that. Terrible. It's aggressive scent. I mean, the 1700s, they scare me. Just, <laughs> Just thinking the about it. The normal part of the 1700s scares me. <laughs> yeah. How to function back then. Everyday life sounds terrible. It does. And then you add in this, it's like, oh my gosh. It's another layer of, yeah. of awful. Yeah. But it was a good episode. Nice job on the research. Well, thank you. Thank you. It was uh, interesting to look into. I was like, I need to find something that's going to pique people's interest. This is good because we're getting into our October month is coming or is it here already? I don't think so. I think this is going to be released the last week of September. September. So right before our Halloween month. Got some good things coming. Yeah. What are you planning on covering? So I think I'm going to do the witch trials. I don't know if I'll do the Salem ones. I think I may do the ones that were in Europe, which were around the same time. But I'll have to just do some research on it. I may touch on the ones that happened in Salem, but I think everyone knows about those. And so I'd rather do something a little more unknown. And I'm trying to look into, apparently, we have a relative who, one of my aunts who did a bunch of family tree research believes was part of that time and may have been executed, burned at the stakes, whatever they did. What? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that's cool. So I'm trying to get in contact. But... It's so cool that your aunt was burned alive, maybe. Like, great, 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 great. It was the aunt that did the research with my great aunt. So my grandmother, my paternal grandmother's sister did the research. She was very into genealogy. And she's passed away now, but her daughter may have all the stuff that she kept. So I got to reach out to her. Absolutely. I am so interested for this episode. I know. I remember her telling me about it, though, when I was younger, and I was just fascinated. Me too. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated now. I need to know now. (laughs) Right now? You want me to call her right now? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Give us your thoughts or feedback at freshlybrewednoir at gmail.com. And you can follow us on our socials at freshlybrewednoir. And we're on Twitter now. We're on Twitter now. So Do we know what we're doing on Twitter? Have we made any posts? Yeah, we're posting. Oh, we're posting. We have some posts on there. That's right. We do have a couple posts. Okay. So give us a follow if you can. Like we said, we're covering the witch trolls. To bring us into the month of Halloween, October. Yes, yes, yes. So until next time, stay caffeinated. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.